Hello, and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. My name is Sunny. I am one of your lesbian co-hosts. And, uh, Renaissance, who are you? (laughs) Hi, I'm Renaissance, the other lesbian co-host of the pod. Just... Well, I was, I was going to say two dykes and a mic, but then I remembered that that's the name of a different podcast. So mm. we are, in fact, not two dykes and a mic. Just We are the Lavender Menace. And, right, right, right. We are, we are yeah, two dykes and two mics. Right. Because we are... Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> continental <laughs> besties, right. But... Exactly. We are femmes and... The, the femme butch continuum lives on, and that is actually yes. what is going to lead me into our first hot take. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, we got an Amazing. email from Savannah. She said, Hi, Sunny and Renaissance. I'm Savannah, she, her, a butch Swifty, and a huge fan. I'd like to start by thanking you both because of this pod and Sunny's hourly tweets about butches. <laughs> also, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> Before that... Rest in peace oh, yeah, to yeah. a Sunny Book Nook yeah. Twitter account, actually. Praying that in a year you get, like, at one time I lost an account and I sent in, like, 20 appeals and got rejected for all of them. And then a year later I got an email saying, hi, your Twitter account got reinstated. Here, you have access to it now. Damn. And got it back. That's crazy. After, like, not having put in an appeal for, like, Eight months, probably. Because I was putting in appeals, like, the first six months. Right. Or maybe even longer. Praying that a sunny book next comes comes back. The thing is, is that I, I can let her rest. Because, honestly, a lot of things happened <laughs> there that can go to the Twitter suspension uh, dust. True. Th- that is true. For, for the future of your career <laughs> and hireability, I think it's actually better that you got cut off right, right when you did. <laughs> So that's good. <laughs> Please, yeah, but I I'll be back with a vengeance, um, sometime soon, sometime mm-hmm. in the near future. But you'll you'll know. You we will hard launch that when that happens. Oh, we actually before we get into the hot take, I said, oh, let's get into the hot take, but then I'm lying. I'm lying right now because <laughs> I do want to promote our Substack because Renaissance released their yes. essay about folklore and Ooh. romanticism and French literature in a comparative review of a novella and the album. So read that, yes. check that out. It is very good. Yes. So, and I'm not just saying that because I edited yes. it and I'm their best friend, but yeah. I'm, ju- I'm <laughs> yeah. saying this as a Thank hashtag you. literature reviewer, uh, as an essay reader, yeah. as a reader. Exactly. I approve this message. Um, anyway, Savannah says, I have really leaned into being butch and learning the history behind butchness. I've always been masked, but y'all really helped me reach a point where I am truly happy with a label for the first time. This isn't necessarily a hot take, but I've noticed that since I've been using the butch label, a lot of people say stop when I describe myself that way. My girlfriend described me as butch to her coworkers, and they all acted like it was a, this horrible insult. My parents have genuinely bagged me to not become a boyish butch bulldyke, etc. Could you talk about the stigma around be- the butch label? I guess what I'm struggling with is how to explain to them that butch isn't a dirty term. Thank you, Savannah. And I'm really sorry that that's happening because that shit is just so homophobic and... Uh, yeah. Ugh. It's like this form of misogyny and transphobia and lesbophobia that is like so... Ugh, it's so unfortunate because 
I feel like it's something that every, all of my butch friends have experienced this where as they lean into and have a sense of comfort in their own identity and selfhood and self-expression and aesthetic for the first time in their like gender and like body people everyone around them is like no don't cut your hair no don't wear that don't dress like this it's not good to be and it's like fucking everyone in this world hates butches except like other butches and like fans like it's so yeah frustrating i was gonna say if someone describes someone as butch or describe themselves as butch i wouldn't say stop i say please keep going actually <laughs> butchify more stronger i want to exactly. see more the butchification I wanna, ray I wanna, we need it <laughs> li- literally i'm out here trying to forcibly assign butchness and being like hey have you considered being butch like <laughs> what was have, the joke have you made heard couple- the, the good word um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like a like a Mormon going, "Hello, uh, have you have you heard the good word of butchness? Right. Uh, I would love to share this with you," and like, which I guess is also part of why we're hashtag real femmes in that like femmes in support and who love butchness, not just in this like objectifying way of like, oh, it's fun that butchers are there for our disposal even though we ha ha he he when we see but mm-hmm. that's out of like <laughs> sweet feminists not yes. out of like this um violence that people seem to want to like enact towards butch or people's attempts to like curb the behavior of butches or curb the want or this idea that being butch is not likable or not seen as attractive like in society like people's attempt to push that messaging towards butches is obviously like sunny said a product of like the misogyny and the transphobia and lesbophobia that butches have faced and have always faced but also it's like guys let's be fucking for real because why are girls allowed to get pixie cuts but if a butch (laughs) wants to shave their head all of a sudden that is a no-no it's mm-hmm. cute when TikTok girls wear the oversized clothing mm-hmm. and take it away from plus-size people and shop outside of their size when they mm-hmm. don't need to. But when a butch wears clothes or purchases clothes that fits their body and makes them feel comfortable, that is all of a sudden a behavior that needs to be curved. And obviously there's like, well, I guess not obviously, but if you're a, a smart lesbian as well, <laughs> you can probably see why there are those differences in how mm-hmm. people get treated. But I think, like, that just shows how, like, much of gender is performance and, like, about mm-hmm. the way that other people perceive you and, and policing. the social consequences because of that. Yeah, and policing, rather than, like, something that is, like, biologically innate. Which, like, fucking duh if you listen yeah. to this podcast. But unfortunately, that is not how everyone right. in the world <laughs> sees yes. the situation. I also thought that it was so just gross and weird when you know like when her girlfriend was like oh was describing her as butch and then people are like oh that's like Mm -hmm. not good it's like what the fuck is wrong with you let me i'm gonna beat your ass like please like i can't anyway (laughs) like this is so ugh 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 well it says the email says i don't know if this is uh ambiguous in the story like in the intention of the co-workers or in the word of when people said stop and they all acted like this was a horrible insult 
like the word like calling your partner butch is insulting to your partner or is being with a butch like the ins- like right is is the either way it sucks but it's also workers? like what the fuck right exactly it's like what's the solution here right am i supposed to no. not call That's my her job. what she is <laughs> yeah like i don't but again hashtag we love butchers and butchers will will continue um yeah oh well, fuck this... i said um but anyway <laughs> i've been ragging on renaissance for saying um for the past like year because since i edit episodes i'll be like Oh my god, this bitch. Someone start sunny ableist for vocal tics <laughs> allegations. Against um and like, okay? Please. We, who's who's gonna join me in this? I'm kidding. Don't actually do that. Sunny already has enough cancellation to can't bring that into the new account when it starts. The, that into the arena. a little joke between me and you. Yeah. <laughs> Please, please. Sunny has been crucified for many things. There's tomatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> right, right. Um, of course. But also, actually, I'm going to use this to do a little plug. I'm part of a project, this new zine called Beloved, and I'm the uh, writing editor, writing director of it. And it's dedicated to butch femme identities and relationships and building that continuum and continuing that history and community and like space in a contemporary setting because of the you know because of obviously all of the ways that butch feminist has been dragged through the mud and is not really seen in society or recognized even by other lesbians or lgbt people as something that is like meaningful so our first issue is coming out in on valentine's day of 2023 so if you're listening to this in real time then you know you should make a pre-order so pre-order the zine i think Mm -hmm. the physical copies are 25 dollars because it's gonna be like a hundred pages at least we got a lot of amazing submissions and for future editions if any of you listeners identify as femme butch in any way like or in a femme butch relationship etc like and are an artist or writer Please feel free to, you know, submit your stuff. Uh, I think it's at Beloved Scene, the Beloved Scene on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, everywhere. And we also have really cute merch. We have like these temporary tattoos that are double Venuses, but they're hearts. We have these, this really cute tote bag and a lot of different stickers from in-house artists and stuff. But anyways, that is something that I'm really proud of because essentially because it's like 100 or 150 pages this is like a full fucking book of just people mm-hmm. from all over the world and of different ages and across you know femme and butch identities and in femme and butch relationships who are you know talking about their own experiences coming to terms with their identities and their relationships especially because this edition is about love because it's a valentine's day edition and our first edition like it's really dedicated to the love and beauty and joy of loving a butch loving a femme being butch being femme um, being butch femme so you should definitely check that out i think the digital zine version is like ten dollars so there's that um but anyways that's my pitch because butchness butch is not a dirty word obviously butch should not be treated as it's actually like, a beautiful word right it should not be treated as like dare I say. a slur or as 
something that is a bad way to describe someone or a bad way to be, obviously. And so if you want something that really like celebrates this identity and like literature and art and stuff that does, and you're looking for a space or magazine or, you know, just a place for that, you should definitely check out Beloved because I'm really proud of the work that we've done and the all the work and submissions that are getting published. So anyways, that's my plug for Beloved. But I think it is so also crazy that like Savannah's parents have been like begging her to not become a boyish butch bull dyke as well. Because also something that my friends have told me in in becoming butch, in growing into their butch identity is that is like, you know, being told by family and friends, no, don't do that so much. And it's just, it's like, that's why, that's why we have to exist as hashtag real fans because literally because everyone fucking hates which is so much and they do not deserve it at all in fact they deserve everyone's love uh and adoration yeah so that's just literally in a just world butches would be at the top (laughs) of of everything (laughs) like i and stone tops. Mm-hmm. Why are there butch bottoms? But that's a conversation. <laughs> I people mean, people I guess... being like, oh, I love femme tops. Oh, it's like, girl, shut the fuck up. Stop praising fe- the number of femme top like content on like TikTok or whatever. It's honestly sickening to me. It's just, it's not you know biblical. What I've been seeing recently. It's not correct. What? Like lesbian BDSM rope shit and I'm like you know what I'm learning that I don't just hate heterosexuals but I actually just don't like anyone doing (laughs) Elham made it 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 really brings out the the social conservatism in me Um, yeah no but this is the thing Elham made the funniest post in our friend who is going to (laughs) come on the podcast at some point they are a hashtag bisexual ally Yes, of course. Love, and they love, are. They are. They are. They, they have been by our side since the beginning, let me tell you, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and she's heavy on the bi. Yeah. Heavy on the bi. By on our beginning. Our right, 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 right. But she made this post that was like ins and outs for 2023, right? And on the mm-hmm. out was BDSM, parentheses, why you need all that for a nut. <laughs> No, like literally, why is it a small theatrical production when like really it doesn't need to be? Like there's set design, there's costume design, they're getting Tony nominations. Like I just think that gay people, like if you're a gay person who has sex, you should just be a gay person who has sex. And if you're a gay person who doesn't have sex, congratulations. Um, don't be annoying about it online. And like basically one. That is honestly yeah. commendable, especially if you don't complain about it. The thing is, though, it's, it's, it's like, okay, here, I have my copy of Stone Butch Blues with me right now. I'm almost done with reading <laughs> The Persistent Desire, mm-hmm. a butch femme reader, mm-hmm. jo- edited by Joe Nessel. We need to return. We need to return to the the, the biblical texts. Like, let's 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 open up Literally. the Feinberg. Let's open up the the lesbian foremothers and forefathers of what lesbianism is even is right 
And like you can tell that we're American because the way that we talk about our favorite lesbian texts is the way that evangelical ter- churches talk about like <laughs> scripture. It's like the <laughs> the vibe and the passion is like we this is essentially our mega church of lesbians. Like it's just so embedded in American culture to like speak like this about things. This like regardless of the context. We're one thing about a ma- like preacher's a daughter by church. Ethel Kane. Literally, period. We're you're like holding daughters. up the book, shaking, like, <laughs> on it like being like, "Listen to the if word." If we look at the holy book, the text from God's mouth, His words, He gave us we fu- His one and only Son, Leslie Feinberg. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. To save us. And many of you have not accepted him into your heart and soul. (laughs) And can the congregation say amen? Amen. 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 Please. Please. Oh my God. We're so unserious. And that can be so important. (laughs) No, but that So sorry to our international listeners. We had to get American for a second. (laughs) So sorry. <laughs> Please. But that actually does lead us to another hot take about political beliefs. Because I think we also treat like Marxism and communism very mm-hmm. religiously, which is a critique that Sally Rooney has gotten a bit, I think, is like she treats her Marxism like a religious doctrine, like or- very orthodoxly. Something mm-hmm. I've, I've read some reviews that sort of touch on that a little bit, which is funny because I'm like, that's why she's a real ass bitch. But anyway, <laughs> anyways, Literally. before we get to and, that. And what about it? Right. That's mother. Like, how do you say mother in like fucking, is it, did the Irish speak Gaelic? Gaelic? <laughs> yes. Oh my. Please, please tell me that was a joke. Please. I need you to look me in my eyes and tell me that that was a joke. Okay. Listen. Actually, Listen. side side note, Sunny's uh-huh. inability to recognize languages is so <laughs> funny because every once in a while, Sunny will send me a screenshot and be like, Renaissance, what language is this? And it's like, I don't even speak it, but I can recognize written languages. <laughs> like, and Sunny, Sunny will literally send me like a screenshot of fucking like Hebrew and be like, is this Greek? No, it's not Greek, <laughs> babe. It's not. Those are actually two very different languages. The thing is, is that if it's not, like, simplified Chinese or American English, I I can't... I'm illiterate. Like, I can't read. I don't know what is being said here, to be honest. Anyways. But before we get into um, a hot take about Marxism, etc., do you Mm want to get into another email submission? Yes. This one is from A. It says, Dear Sunnissance, love being addressed as Sunnissance, by the way. That's Literally. Fine. My name is A, she, they, and I'm an autistic lesbian gaylord communist and a huge fan of the pod. I've been a listener since the original hashtag biphobia accusations, and I didn't get the controversy then, and I still don't get it today. If the Lavender Menace has 100 fans, I'm one of them. If the Lavender Menace has zero fans, then I'm probably dead. My hot take <laughs> for this week is the Fletcher and Miley Cyrus New York e- New York New Year's Eve performance <laughs> was just objectively bad. It felt like watching that one bi-curious college girl kissing a girl in a club to make her boyfriend happy. Whew. 
Obviously, Miley is hashtag valid in her pansexuality or whatever, but I definitely think she treats queerness as an accessory and it's annoying. Also, side note, Miley's such a bitch for inviting Sia to perform after all the harm that woman has caused autistic people. Miley flirting with Fletcher feels like a distraction from that. I know every other lesbian on Twitter is obsessing over the Fletcher-Miley thing, but I genuinely don't get the hype. Hetlers tell us to listen to actual queer artists, but then this is what mainstream media gives us to work with. Please be real. Miss mm-hmm. Taylor Allison Swift has more chemistry with Tree Payne than Miley did with Fletcher. <laughs> I do feel bad for Fletcher because she got used as a pawn in Miley's desperate act to stay relevant, and it's really a shame. I wish more people understood that gay women are not stepping stools on the path to wokeness for girls with boyfriends. <laughs> I've pushed through like five jokes and I, I had to. I had to you were holding down. back the okay. giggles. As a lesbian who grew up in the Bible Belt, I totally understand the desperation for queer media, but there are better options, actual lesbians, for lesbian representation than Miley Cyrus. Some lesbians will watch Fletcher Miley clips on repeat for the entirety of 2023, but as for me and my household, we will continue to stream the Bejeweled music video. Thank you, Renaissance and Sunny, for your service to the lesbian and gayler communities. It is truly appreciated. Also, y'all are literally hilarious, and this is me begging to be friends with you guys. XOXO, (laughs) A. Thank you, A. We really appreciate this email. OMG. Yes. But no, this is the thing about um, out queer girlies in the industry mm-hmm. or girls who have like, you know, specified their identities. Because I think, I don't think like Chapel Rowan has ever specified her identity, which by the way, in 2023, no. we are both seeing Chapel Rowan. Period. Whoop, whoop, That's whoop, whoop. that. Not together, unfortunately, but we are seeing her. No. And we will be posted mm-hmm. up. And if y'all don't stream Chapel yes. Rowan, you go ahead and do that because she has five songs. Um, <laughs> it but literally, she, like, and even with the commute, five songs, just put it on. She's still mother. Like, that's the thing. Um, it's 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 crazy how she's mothering at this level. She's also from Missouri, where I'm from, where I live. Well, that's how she's mothering at this that's level. That's what I'm saying. I've, I've seen the bitches in Missouri, and it's truly a different breed. It's truly, it's truly a different breed. Like, it's not everyone, like, not everyone is, like, tapped in, but the girls who choose to girl, a- actively girling, right. it's, different. it's a different level. It's a different level. Yeah, we it's talked about this out there. in our Patreon-exclusive vlog where we watched Somebody Somewhere, the HBO Max show, and we have a clip of it, Yeah, like, a shortened version of that vlog up on our YouTube channel by the way. So you should watch that if you want to hear us go on more about Midwest LGBTs. But anyways, (laughs) the truth is, is that she's someone who has never really like said anything about her identity, but she's obvious. She makes queer music and she Mm -hmm. obvious, like she has, I think she has drag performers opening all of her shows. Yeah. And I think yeah. a portion of her proceeds for her shows are going to a organization that supports black trans women. And yeah, yeah, she's, she's, she's cool as fuck. So that's something that I think differentiates people who are quote unquote, like out, right? Like people who make queer art 
and are mm-hmm. cool about it. And then people who are just like, why? What is what is all this? But anyway, as you were. To me, the only out lesbian artist who's allowed to be cringe is Hailey Kiyoko. Exactly, because she's been in the game for so fucking long. Exactly. Like, girls like girls. Like girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Girls it's like, like girls like boys do nothing new when i tell you when i tell you (laughs) me watching me being like watching that music video like five times on repeat Mm -hmm. every single day Mm -hmm. like after school got a clock in my shift exactly but also like not knowing why but also like knowing why but telling myself that's not right right (laughs) i was reading the comments and people were fighting in there (laughs) Dead ass being like, just because I like this music video doesn't make it make me gay. I was look at everyone now. The comments being like, I'm a Christian and I, and that was like so many of them. <laughs> I was yes. reading those. Yes. To be honest, I was like, whoa, yeah. wow. Chapel Rowan actually posted a photo of her with Haley Kiyoko, Fletcher, and JoJo Siwa, mm-hmm. and that was so fucking funny. That kicked my ass. I yes. I live. Yeah. I think I posted it on our uh, Instagram story. Uh, yeah. That, that killed me. Please. Anyway, yeah, the Gen Z lesbians and the way that they're frothing at the mouth for quote unquote real also, queer representation. I don't think Fletcher, Fletcher hasn't specified either. She hasn't? No, I, cause, cause I, I asked on the DL. I was like, okay, someone tell me because I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> I'm right. not that invested. And no. Yeah. She's, like, vaguely queer. She's right. queer. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Apologies. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> She's queer. So this is the thing. I'm yes. not watching that performance. No. And neither am I. <laughs> cheers. Anyways, and moving cheers on. No, no, no. <laughs> because of this, like, what A is saying, like, that's real as fuck because no. No. I also think, like, Miley has been like out as pan i think for also a considerable amount of time however what we've gotten from this in in terms of like her own performance isn't mm-hmm. not reflective of the pansexuality in terms of her not showing attraction to other women but it's not reflective of like anything to actually say about the queer community yeah because at least like fletcher makes a like, gay music you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Miley doesn't really make, like, gay music. Like, Ch- Chapel Rowan makes gay music. She makes music for the gays. Right. But, but she doesn't make gay, gay music. music. Like, Taylor Swift makes gay music. She doesn't really make music yes. for the gays in that way. Right? Um, no. Which is why I think people, like, straight people, and also just people who aren't tapped into gaylorism in, like, the specific way, are were confused at why her lover era was so, oh, I like gay people, too (laughs) right because they were like Mm -hmm. why are you positioning yourself as like an ally or whatever the fuck when like girl you're not gonna reach gay icon status the way that like lady gaga and like charlie xcx have shot to that point as like blonde white girls or whatever the fuck as pop artists because that's just not who you are and as oppositional readers of her text we're like well it's different because uh, anyway but regardless of that like i think Mm -hmm. that this is the dichotomy the dichotomy of out (laughs) artists versus artists who like Mm -hmm. make queer art and and the performance of like queerness and like lesbianism 
because and there's of course with the performance of lesbianism and then we elevate it to like actual performances right like the new year's eve like fucking performance when it's elevated to that level of like performance it's like guys we we all know who this is for and we know that it's not for us because if it was it wouldn't be like this it wouldn't look people like wouldn't this. be talking about it yeah it wouldn't be if, this mainstream if it like, was for right. lesbians which i think is like also part of it like what you're saying like when it's elevated to this level of performance because at this point it doesn't even matter if fletcher and miley cyrus both experience attraction to women that's still not what's genuinely happening here yes <laughs> like yes. it is still this forced performance because who is showing that level of vulnerability on a platform that public, like yeah. as a New Year's Eve performance. Yeah. I mean, same it's, with even like it, the like, WAP performance with like Cardi B and mm-hmm. like Megan Thee Stallion. I think we had a hot take about this as well. But like even within like their music, even if they're both out as bi, which I think they are, and like I would never discredit mm-hmm. them for that. And especially as like black women in the music industry, specifically hip hop, where it's like so fucking, God, it's so terrible for the girls. Like, yeah the thing that's that makes it different as well the fact that these are two white women makes the makes this pop cultural thing in in a way that feels uniquely gross and weird in a way that even though WAP arguably does like a similar thing their performance right because it's like Mm -hmm. we get it like okay we're we're like performing scissoring on stage like okay okay (laughs) like Mm -hmm. with Miley and Fletcher it's like you guys are almost using this to like be relevant in a way, right? It's yeah. whereas Cardi and Megan are relevant in ways that go beyond queerness. It's not that's not what makes them who exactly. they are. Like that's just one element of who they are and I think Miley is trying to get back in the scene, the pop girl scene by being like, "Look, I do gay shit too." And Fletcher got in the scene by being like, "I make gay music." Haley Kiyoko is different because mm-hmm. that's mother in that she's been making gay music exactly. and been out as gay before anyone was allowed to be. Like that, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. all these distinctions are different and important and it's also why like our particular bend of Gaylor is also I think unique to the way that like it's so specific to women in the public eye and as performers how they are perceived like there's a particular way to read women performers that grants them agency but also allows you to think about them in the position of where they are because if you think about like taylor's lover era or why she looks so fucking gay in all of her reputation promo like pics and uh, you know tour announcement and on her tour and the things that she references like louis fuller before dress and the colors and all of that it's kind of it's confusing right she's so mainstream and so many people know what the fuck she's on like she doesn't need to take on queerness to try to appeal to this demographic to grasp for some sort of popularity the way that like Fletcher and Miley are kind of doing at this point. It's just an element that we can read from her stuff that allows us to think about these albums and these eras and her writing in a way that like makes them like richer, fuller texts the issue with this is that there's nothing more 
beyond it. Like there's no real depth. Um, it feels cheap. What is the artistry? If we take away the appeal of Fletcher being she's an out queer artist, so that's why mm-hmm. you should stream her, mm-hmm. or even the same for Miley, what are the other merits? Like, and that is what, yep. Bob, like, I don't really care, or I'm not personally invested in the outness of any given celebrity. Like, right. sli- like the same with, like, the kids thing and him being, like, yeah. forced Who to come cares? out. It literally it's does like, not matter to me. Because we're not, not, I like not queer art. I like the right. queer media. <laughs> it's also because we live in the 2020s now. We're in 2020s. Yeah. It no longer is it revolutionary for people to come out. 20 years ago, 15 years mm-hmm. ago, 10 years ago, oh boy. like Even like seven, yeah. Yeah, like it was a really fucking big deal, right? Like that's why like when Ellen DeGeneres came out, like that affected so many people's careers, right? Like it's yes. shit like that, that is what makes quote unquote coming out meaningful. It's what makes the spectacle and performance of these entertainers as queer women, as artists, as, you know, entertainers, like that's what makes that shit important. What is it like, what feels cheap, what feels stupid and redundant and overplayed? Shallow. Yeah, is just these attempts for people to eat up representation for the sake of representation, which is something that we've always hated on and ragged on on the podcast. Yeah. Like, there, what is the fucking point of representation for representation's sake when art exists as art? Like, I would rather have just, like, Evermore <laughs> existing as it does mm-hmm. than a hundred, like, Fletcher Miley New Year's Eve performances. Like, yep. if, if someone... If, if there's the red button scenario of, like, lesbian representation is this New Year's Eve performance or, like, a Taylor Swift Taylor performing Swift dress. <laughs> yes. I'm going to pick Taylor Swift performing dress because there's, like, levels of artistry there. And substance and intention. Like, the intention with this performance and this, like, flirty thing on stage between Fletcher and Miley is for people to talk about them flirting on stage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and being gay and so that either straight girlies can be like i'm straight but um gee this was cute and get fanfare because of that or pander to the people who identify as sapphic i'm pretty sure that was their core demographic here being like oh i love when two sapphics are on stage okay and then We're so fucking um, shady. Uh, shady AF comebacks. Like. <laughs> we are, like, literally. But with Taylor Swift, like, the intent, like, because for for whatever reason, she's not out, whether that be personal, whether that be through the coercion of other people, whether that be because who fucking cares? Uh, do, we, do we see what she writes? Why does she have to yeah. come out? Like for, Streaming for, the Bejeweled whatever, music video. Like, let's look at exactly. the material. Literally having Dita Von Tees in her music video. Literally having Laura Dern and the Heim sisters in her music video. Does the bitch need to come out? No. <laughs> Rejecting the man who proposes to her in the music video. Having a whole album like, talking about away. not wanting to get married to a man. 
literally saying she'd rather stab herself with the stake of like of a white picket fence than marry a man. Right. And if she were to marry a man, she'd go down that aisle kicking and screaming yeah. and cursing at everyone who's making yeah. her get married. And this is a like, hard bent from, you know, speak now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, we, yeah. we're seeing this Or even growth. the bridge of um, lover pa- literally sounding like, Which, yes. if you do a reading of paper rings, like paper, like... You know, like a contract. Contract? Like, whoa. Right, anyway. Um, it's it's funny. It's I think it's funny. Because it also, it, because again, not only is shallow art, shallow performance, but it's also shallow readings. It's like when you have a face yeah. at, at glance, look at what the, a song is about or what a, a performer says that a song is about or how a performer performs a song, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, it's gay. Because they're they're flirting on stage, but then but then we if we look at the lyrical content and the progression of the albums of other people's work, well, you know what I mean. It's we there's there's levels to this shit. But anyways, with that being said, we're still not gonna watch the performance, right? Right? right <laughs> and we're right, still right. not gonna listen to Fletcher. So yeah. I like one listen, Fletcher song. I tried, and, and it's, it's not good. I and it's because Sophie did a remix of it, <laughs> and that's a good exactly, song. Ex- exactly. But now hard bent to uh, Stalinism, which <laughs> of course what and that is what you come to the Lavender Menace for to go from Fletcher and Miley directly into Joseph Stalin. That is so, the kind of cultural continuum that we're forging here. Um. We got an email submission hot take from a listener, and the subject line is on quote-unquote Stalinism, or whatever. Hello, Renaissance and Sunny. My name is Lou, again, so I guess they submitted another hot take, and I use they-them pronouns, and she-her for lesbians. I come to you today to mostly vent my frustrations with the state of quote-unquote leftist discourse in the year of our Lord 2023. Amen. Amen, sister. It's January 10th on the day of recording. What if they said? This is January 5th. This was on the state of the discourse five days into the into the year. <laughs> right. I posted some silly shit posts on my story about how I missed the USSR and GDR, mostly mourning all the social progress made by the working classes. Thankfully, it did not receive very much backlash. However, comma, I had a new friend slash mutual who is queer, but not a dyke, so kind of unslay of them, TBH, swipe up on my story and basically accuse me of being a quote-unquote Stalinist. And then when I explain myself as briefly as possible, but let's be real, it's hard to condense literal years worth of theory, proceed to make a bunch of assumptions and then do some horseshoe theory it was exhausting to be hashtag real with you like first of all you're coming into my account and swiping up on my story if you're not down with the die communist sleigh then don't make that my problem but second of all i am so fed up with other supposedly left-wing people accusing marxist leninists of being quote-unquote stalinists it is lazy it is tired it is dull plus what the fuck even is stalinism Uh, Anyway, Marxism-Leninism is a term used to describe the synthesis of Marx and Lenin's ideas, which was done by Stalin. Like, what the fuck did Stalin contribute to the realm of Marxist discourse that he needs his own term? Also, this person is, like, very wealthy, and their parents bankroll their one-bedroom apartment and all their expenses and bills. I wanted to say I'm not arguing with a bitch who has a vacation home and got a job just for shits and giggles, but I was trying to not be mean. (laughs) 
Said Moot then totally misconstrued all the points I was making and refused to read any of the theory recs I gave, which is like, whatever, but don't come into my DMs expecting me to even want to deal with your damn BS when you're not on my level respectfully. Anyways, this made me really reflect on the state of leftist discourse. What a fucking mess for real. I guess my question is, what do y'all do in these situations? How do you handle these kinds of attacks? Is there such thing as a good faith internet discourse ever? Sorry if this is long. Just had to get that off my chest. Get it off my mm-hmm. chest. Get it off my desk. Us <laughs> and our DMs. Anyway, love the pod and keep up your lesbian <laughs> communist swifty of color slay. I will be listening to this podcast till the day I die for real. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Oh. Oh, also, if I had a nickel for every time <laughs> someone made leftist discourse sunny nice problem unprovoked... <laughs> We'd have more than two nickels. I'd fucking tell you that. Because oh. probably the one of the a, a Spotify wrapped of Sunny and I's complaint in terms of how people interact with us online is people coming into our spaces or us saying things and then making their inability to either engage in good faith or understand what we're saying our problem while also putting their fucking fingers in their ears and saying la 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 when we try to explain themselves or even fucking answer their questions. So, unfortunately, Lou, this is a semi-universal issue. Like, you're definitely not alone in, one, feeling this frustration, and two, having someone behave this way Mm -hmm. in your own fucking DMs. Unfortunately, what I do is, before I used to engage for, like, a lot longer and, like, over... Like, after each instance, my patience, like, gets shorter and shorter. Yep. So yep. now eventually within two to three DMs, I can already predict where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And I'll, like, bow out and mm-hmm. be like, actually, no. And I'll, I'll start off with the Rex. Just so, even if they say, actually, I'm not going to read anything you tell me to. Like, it's at least there on a rainy day when mm-hmm. they finally fucking come around and open their eyes. And be like, actually, if you're interested in this... This is these are people who have said it better than I have or Lou uh, make a podcast for like a year and a half, <laughs> years and like your own fucking podcast episodes where you explain your thoughts. That honestly has what it, like as my patience has decreased, the number of episodes we made have has increased. Right. So now my ability to just link myself has mm-hmm. <laughs> helped curb mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, like. And some people will be like, oh, oh, so you're not even going to engage? Oh, you can't even have a civil conversation about blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, when you're going to do fucking horseshoe theory and absolutely say anything you say is wrong and for this reason and this, and also I'm not going to read anything you tell me to read, what am I expected to engage with? What am I supposed what to do in that situation? What supposed to yeah. reply? Exactly. And that's the other thing because... The thing about the internet is be, is that, like, you know, is there a way to have a good faith conversation, etc.? It's like, the issue, I think, is that the ways that I have changed how I thought over the years and the way that I have changed how other people thought over the years has been over the course of relationships, fundamentally. Yeah. It's about a dynamic that is mutual, and that is something that you can't necessarily do with people that you've just met like in real life and online or people that you don't really Mm -hmm. know you know and it's just kind it's difficult because the number of friendships that I've seen and I've lost over politics and stuff is 
like we're racking up the numbers you know what i mean but the thing is (laughs) is that that is sort of and the number of friendships we've ended (laughs) (laughs) or Uh, have ended because of us over politics and you know mao said that a communist is never done teaching right a communist is always a teacher and that Mm -hmm. is that's that's true because girl you will never catch me not talking my shit on this stuff if it is brought up we will be going off, let me tell you. Especially if someone is willing to listen. Because is that, you can't mm-hmm. teach someone who isn't willing to be taught, you know? And I think yeah. that's one of the main issues. And uh, you run into that roadblock constantly, I think. And especially like especially online. But, you know, it's that nature of the internet. I you- think, like, when specifically talking about like Marxism and like Marxist Leninism and stuff like that, or just like having a good faith interaction in, in, in any situation, like the medium, at least in my experience, hasn't necessarily been, oh, whether it's in person or mm-hmm. online, but the medium is the level of relationship you have with that person. Mm-hmm. Like convincing a stranger of almost anything. Like, imagine the people who, like, come up and ask you, or if you're, like, a college student and your campus allows, like, petitioners on campus. Mm -hmm. Like, a stranger coming up to you and being, like, sign this for this cause, even if it's, like, for world peace, like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, just some vague sign this for the homeless, and you're, like, in what way? Like, you know, like... (laughs) A stranger approaching you even for, like, something that has, like, potential good is already, like, drawing enough. And I think, especially if, like, the person who's swiping up in your DMs or the person who's trying to engage with you is not willing to learn. Because, like, since I, like, I learned or started reading theory online because it was the pandemic and it was in quarantine and I didn't have any Marxist friends. I was making my Marxist friends going to the reading group. But the difference was I came with an open mind, obviously, because I wanted to learn. I knew that they had already Mm -hmm. been reading this shit. They were the ones who were organizing it. They were the ones inviting people to come and learn. And I was not going there to antagonize them. And Mm -hmm. when I didn't understand something or like initially... I thought I disagreed with something or in fact I did disagree with something and I was able to voice that in the group like it wasn't because I was trying to gotcha Mm -hmm. my comrades you know Mm -hmm. or something like that like like the thing I think with online and the way that it also like construes words or like changes the meaning of words like discourse is not inherently bad like discourse Mm -hmm. is just discussion constant communication with yeah so it's like discourse isn't inherently bad but at the same time with the way that the internet is and the way that interaction specifically like online I think like outside of dms but that has changed because like now anyone can post a screenshot of anything Mm -hmm. like people are always performing or now like communicating with the Mm -hmm. idea that at any time, a huge mass on the internet can start mm-hmm. picking sides. Like, any tweet can mm-hmm. go viral. Any mm-hmm. reply under a tweet can go viral. Mm-hmm. And immediately, you're either going to have people critiquing or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, like, closes people off to really being vulnerable online, to learning mm-hmm. any new perspective. Which, 
when you are a Marxist-Leninist and someone thinks that saying you're a Stalinist is a real thing to say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which, as Lou says, all the reasons why Stalinism isn't really a thing because you're really just referring to Marxist-Leninism and Stalin who believed it and or did mm-hmm. it like mm-hmm. one of the many people is what is like come on like. exactly like that is what's informing this con- like not conflict but like this issue not necessarily like online or in person because i've also had conversations with people online who try and ask me about communism marxism theory whatever who don't have an interest in learning <laughs> about any of it and don't actually and aren't invested in what I'm saying even when I'm like a full human being speaking in front of them so it's like is it possible to have a like I just don't think it's possible to have a good faith interaction with someone who does not also want to have a good faith interaction Mm -hmm. like that is what is the marker for the quality of like conversation you can have and that can be with a stranger or a friend but, like, obviously, if you know the person, it's easier. The, the people who listen to our podcast, the people who watch Sunny's YouTube videos, the, uh, the way that Sunny and I's friendship started, all of that is over the means of the internet. But the reason why we love our listeners so much and we have been able to have hot takes that are, like, really good for over a year is because, like, we are both coming at, like, at this in good faith and wanting to discuss. Like, we're essentially reading emails. But mm-hmm. we have yet to have beef with a listener so like i think well, sometimes people really will come in our emails it. and be well and, yeah and be but it's like but that's a maybe the one number of emails of we've gotten exactly it's like you get more good than like how many bad or like bad faith interpretations of like tweets or stories or whatever have we yeah. received from yeah. like fucking strangers yeah and and that's also because it's like about because, like, the medium does matter, of course, and it's also why, you know, a five-minute conversation is, like, so different from, like, a one-hour conversation. It's also why people who have listened to, like, multiple episodes of the podcast or whatever are just un- mm-hmm. not as likely to fucking email us and be like, we hate you. Because it's like, <laughs> if you've listened to us talk and if you understand that we are, like, people who, like, have ideas because <laughs> we are intelligent human beings with thoughts and feelings, then... Yes of fucking course why like why would you do that you know but I think that is also the other the other issue and I also in my approaches to these sorts of conversations I think that the fact that it was someone else you know sort of responding being like oh this is what I disagree with or I don't like how you said this oftentimes it's like there's not really a good way to respond to someone if the only thing they want to hear is sorry i was wrong i take it all back which is what a lot of people want to Mm. hear and it's like Mm -hmm. if if you believe in what you're saying and you think you're right and that's why you're saying it then why would you do that so i i think that that's also in a difficulty within this and you know who is someone who should say sorry and take it all back? <laughs> Meryl, Meryl Wilsner mm-hmm. in writing something to talk about. Yes. I think it's, it's someone who should say sorry and take it all back. time for us to rag on a book. Um, because we have spent a lot of time with a piece of media and someone's writing and someone's thoughts and ideas. And... You know, a whole book's a whole book's worth. In fact, a book that should should be much shorter than it is. Plus the epilogue, which is like 
less than a page. Like it takes up two things, but it's less than a page. It's 317 pages long. Jesus Christ. That is, and let me, like, okay. Let, let's get into it. So obviously we're talking about the novel, something to talk about. Sunny recommended this like in early 2022, I think, or like maybe around the spring. And then uh, when I was book shopping, I saw it in the summer and picked it up. And for me, I read it, I read half of it on my travels to Boston and then I spent five days in Boston and then I finished it on my flights back and literally as I was landing I was finishing the book so I just read it like a little under a month ago when did you read the book Sally? at least I know it was like a year ago. longer like probably yeah. around a year ago no no more than a year ago because yeah. I didn't read it in 2022 well look at that and because I read it so recently, I think my disdain for it is a little bit hotter. Mm. <laughs> and also, I've Sunny's. read a lot of bad romance novels. Let me tell you. Yeah. If you watch my YouTube channel at A Sunny Book Nook and you, like, watch my mm-hmm. wrap-up store, if you're, like, friends with me on Goodreads and you see, you know, my shit, me talking my shit on contemporary romance mm-hmm. novels and lesbian romance because I don't... Why would I read a straight contemporary romance novel? answer riddle me this answer me that like no so when I do read a contemporary romance novel it's like nine out of ten times it's gonna be fucking shite I'm so sorry I think the only other book that I've read that can be considered a contemporary romance novel is the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo I I I think And that's not even a contemporary romance that, like, novel. That's, that's like historical fiction no. and, and like commercial fiction yeah. and fucking like it. It's so many other things beyond that. So, but like that's the only like contemporary kind of love. Story. Like it, it. Like there's obviously like the through. Uh, anyways, so like that's also what I'm going off of, and it, it will listen. If you read the essay that just came out, I think you know what kind of. A, what kind of reader I am mm-hmm. and what I'm most familiar in, which is an old, classic, very artistic movement rooted um, pieces of literature. So when I read this outside of class for fun, this is not really cutting up uh, to mm-hmm. what I think is what my brain registers as good writing. Mm-hmm. But a big part of that for me is simply the pacing also i think the characterization of basically oh, everyone in this book is essentially bullshit yeah but the narrative pacing is like we have 75 pages that set it up we have 75 pages ish like 50 pages that end it the entire hundreds of pages in the middle are absolutely useless because the catalyst of the story is like three Red carpet photo shoots, fo- photo shoot photos that are, or red carpet photos that are taken at an event when the main character, whose name I don't even remember, there's Joe and Emma. Joe, okay, Joe is like this, like, essentially like MILF. She's kind of like a. She's like in her 40s. She essentially. She's this Asian American like, actress, like. Yeah. She looks like Lucy Liu, but is characterized as this bad, like. Uh, like Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada or 
Fuck, what's the character name in Hacks? Hold on, let me look it up. We talked a little bit it, about like, this in a bonus episode on Patreon when we are recommending each other media that we haven't recommended, recommended to each other on the pod. And this was brought up um, because I was talking about other contemporary romances that I was like, oh, I think this is like better, you know? But I think yeah, this isn't even like the worst. Well, I think it's also I've... like halfway. That's so sad. That is so sad. Why is this getting published? Uh, that that's just the genre baby like i don't fucking know but it's like there are ways to portray romance that is not this but maybe yeah. maybe i'm more i'm i'm getting like i guess as i dip into more contemporary writing i understand your like earlier like maybe also a year ago and you're like I prefer when the romance is like in the background rather than reading like a romance novel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was like less familiar because usually even like even in the classics like when you're reading like Pride and Prejudice or whatever there's so much other shit happening Mm -hmm. that it's like yes there's romance but it's like like that's a romance novel in a different way (laughs) like like it's not this whereas like Oh, also, I was referencing Deborah Vance from Hacks in terms of, like, the characterization of Joe. And then Emma is, like, this millennial bisexual with asthma. Boo. I'm saying that as an asthmat. Because right. her asthma is, like, a fucking plot point yeah. in the entire, like, second half of the book in this really lame and embarrassing way. Help. Um, sorry, not to be hashtag a- a- ableist right, right, about right, right, it, right, right. but as someone who has asthma attacks, like, girl. And then also, like, Joe's reaction to the asthma attacks, it's like, guys, Please be serious. Guys, let's be adults. Let's right. be adults. But one of the reasons why I think this story is not very good is because the catalyst is this like one genuinely one moment on a red carpet where emma the assistant like sneaks on with joe and like says a little joke and they laugh and people like take some photos and then like the next day there's like a couple of articles being like oh is joe dating emma i literally as I was reading the book, which again, over 300 pages long, I kept having to keep straight Joe and Emma because for some reason, neither of the names could stick to mm-hmm. the given characters. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. anyways, what is like, doesn't that tell That's you everything you need to know about right. the book? Exactly. But, um, and that is it. And then it like leads to this paparazzi thing. But then for like literally a whole calendar year, it's treated as if it's this like, huge high stakes career ending blah 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 blah. think of the repercussions yeah but it's like girl no one else is talking about this no one else is sweating about this they keep referencing oh how the internet is still talking about this as someone active on milf stan twitter let me tell you this wouldn't have even have lasted five minutes right and or bitches on twitter would have been calling both of them gay separately for months before for fun because any any actors who would have supposedly been at Joe's level, as described yeah. in the book, would have already acquired a lesbian fan base. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, whether she wanted to or not. In the way that almost any major actress you can think of right now, any major middle-aged actress has a gay fan base right now. Right. In some niche of film. Right, right, right. So it's like, and because it's like set right now, I know... Uh, what the climate is, which way the winds are <laughs> yeah. turning. 
this book is not holding up mm-hmm. to to the perceptions and because it's so deeply based in like pop culture perceptions of yeah. their relationship and the fact that they give literally no one anything to work with for an entire calendar year until we finally get to the resolution of the book. The like internal conflicts that these characters face are not actually rooted anything. It is just internal conflict for the sake of writing on the pages, which you can Mm -hmm. feel when Mm -hmm. you're reading it. Mm -hmm. And then because it's like, this is now internal conflict for the sake of having internal conflict. All of the reactions of the other characters, like Emma's sister, I think her name is like fucking Avery or something. I don't know. It's another bisexual last name. Like, yeah. it's it doesn't make any sense. No one acts this way. Like, so many times throughout mm-hmm. the book, I was like, no grown adult would respond to this situation in this way. Mm-hmm. They are only, like, this, you can feel that someone sat down and wrote this mm-hmm. because... For the situation that is what they wanted the to, yeah, yeah, and that's it. Not like mm-hmm. none of this makes any sense. Like one of the hashtag fights or whatever is about Joe not telling Emma that she's going to like her nephew's baseball games that Emma's nephews are also on, mm-hmm. and. Joe becomes friends with Emma's sister in a way yeah. and like doesn't say anything and this leads to, like a fucking 3 month like cold shoulder break. But the thing is is like Joe already knew Avery. And like it was like like the consequences of these things that are treated as betrayals are not betrayals. And it's not even in, like, a hashtag, like, miscommunication trope. It's not even in a, oh, the characters are just dramatic. It's, like, genuinely the order of events do not make sense, except Mm -hmm. for the fact that this was how they were written. Mm Mm-hmm. And that pisses me off. And that pisses me off. What, what What do you remember of book yeah i remember all of all of these plot details and stuff that you're bringing up and all the qualms that you have are Mm -hmm. similar issues that i do have as well because like what the fuck i think i just have oh i have Mm -hmm. oh sorry i found the i found the notes that i I was gonna say yeah you had a notes app you had a notes app collection yeah should i go over it yeah if you haven't brought up some of the the things that you brought up already were on there from what i remember yeah i said we're at page uh, 190, and we're barely at low-key level one mutual pining. Was there an editor for this book at all? Yeah. Which, that reminds me. I feel like this book was not edited. Mm-hmm. Like, whoever was assigned to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, Emma's personality has yet to get less annoying. This doesn't condone the medical scares slash fucked up things that happen, but, like, my God, she's so annoying. Yep. Joe's apology truly was her meeting Avery at the kids' baseball game ever that serious? I don't think. I need them to finally get together because I actually want... Oh, not because I actually want them together, but because just so this book can finally end, for for the love of God. If they don't get together until the very end, I'm giving this book one stars because what a fucking waste of time. Mm -hmm. Look to my Goodreads reading if you want a spoiler for Mm -hmm. how it ends. Mm -hmm. 
and see my rating. Mm -hmm. The author's clear lack of fashion sense pisses me off when there are any descriptions of clothing. Please. That's butch phobia. (laughs) Also... No, no, isn't okay. Is Bush phobia like to, for you to say that the author has a lack of, uh, of of fashion sense because, but it's also Bush phobia that she has written multiple lesbian romance novels where the main characters aren't lesbians or Butch. Okay, true, but also I don't think it's Butch phobia because I think that a Butch should have good fashion sense to know how to spot a pretty femme. Because that is how we get butches whose femmes are not pretty enough, to quote you. So actually, <laughs> I counted that. Butches should know femme fashion. Uh, no, because, the, yeah, I, I love when a romance novel describes what people are wearing and it's like, wait, run that back. <laughs> No, literally. I was like, you know what? We don't have to describe the clothes. We can just say that they look nice. <laughs> like the Aretha Franklin. Like Fewer words, the actually. The Aretha Franklin clip of like beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. Right. She's talking about and Taylor Swift in say. that video. I know. Which is so but she's funny. also real because the question is about like vocalists. Yeah. And you're also asking like Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Of course she's going to say that Taylor Swift just has beautiful gowns. Yeah. You asked after Alicia Keys. Yeah. Like, Please be so fucking surreal. <laughs> oh, and then this book never used the word lesbian before, and then all of a sudden, right before the buzzer, she uses it like five-ish times per page. Now, what the fuck is that about? Yeah, because it's not until we hit like the late mm-hmm. 290s or whatever mm-hmm. that lesbian finally is on the page. Mm-hmm. I need financial compensation for how many times I've rolled my eyes while reading this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The middle 150 pages of this more or less needs to be chopped slash completely rewritten. Page 278 and they barely kissed one time in a hall. I have aged 10 years. Right. (laughs) These are two grown ass women. Like, please be so fucking for real and stop wasting my time. Oh, and quote, and asthma was really the best metaphor for their relationship. Meryl needs to never be allowed to write books ever again. Re-education oh, camps is a societal necessity. Released a book, I think, pretty recently, that is about an older woman and a younger woman. And this, yeah, I started reading it actually, but then I stopped because it wasn't good. I forgot what it's called, but it's about this girl who meets the this college student who meets this older woman at a bar they have a one night stand boom the woman that she had a mm-hmm. one night stand with is like her bestie's mom or something like that uh, yeah that's definitely a fan fiction that is a definitely rewritten fan fiction <sighs> it's just so that's a huge trope i hate that i know this i hate guys don't judge me for i'm i just have this information okay i've read enough romance novels to know the how fan fictiony all of this shit is but it's also yeah sickening because a lot of fan fiction is just a lot better than what is published yes that's also why i think this pissed me off so much is because like i would rather read what is a, a fan fiction that is essentially a well-written like romantic short story than like for free on my phone Mm -hmm. than spend the money or whatever on steal it from a bookstore i don't fucking care but like (laughs) i paid for it so download the the pdf from libgen or whatever the fuck exactly but still like even waste the time of reading this Mm -hmm. like 
I think that's also maybe why I just never got into contemporary romance or whatever the fuck because it's like, girl, and like, not to be like, oh, I have high standards for fan fiction, but I'm not reading any fan fiction. Like, if your brain was not correct, if the pacing isn't correct, if I don't like your perspective, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. you're chopped. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if, if something is going to be printed on page right. and be made into a book, like Harry Styles, oh, I love it when a movie feels like a movie. I want a book to feel like a fucking book. I want to feel like a goddamn reading. This is not giving me that sensation. Like, ugh, it was so bad. And I, for- I forced myself to read because I was like, I do not want to have to pick this up again. I'm finishing it on, mm-hmm. on these goddamn flights and I have nothing better to do and I'm not mm-hmm. going to pay for Wi-Fi. And I did. And I haven't looked at it since until right now. This very moment. It's, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I think in the context of the episode in which I recommended it, I was like, yeah, I read this bad book, but it made me think of you yeah. because it's about Hollywood, MILF, like whatever. No, like I, I get recommending this book to me. Like on paper, mm-hmm. I understand recommending this book to me. It's just not a good book. And also that episode was bad recommendations because I also recommended a bad movie as well. Yes. So it's not like it was like a, a hashtag bad faith. In, bad faith internet interaction. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Full circle. It wasn't that. But yeah. um, we knew what we were hashtag getting into, I fear. And now it is time to get into recommendations. Recommendations and good ones. Imagine that. Yes. Fucking Do you have a recommendation? That. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. I have to redeem myself with my lesbian book recommendation. But actually, yes. now that you've read more contemporary literature, I have a better gauge of it, of your taste, mm-hmm. and yeah. what you would like. So, and also, of yeah, course... Yeah, because oh, before my only other contemporary book, like, Sally Rooney was the only contemporary author, essentially, that I had, right? Like, that was... Yeah, the, and Taylor Jenkins The read. Divines. Yeah, The Divines. Basically, only the books for the podcast were the only, like, contemporary books that I was reading. Yeah. Everything yeah. else that I read is old AF. Yeah, because we read The Divines, good-ass book. Yes. Obviously, Seven Husbands and Hugo, of- a classic. Last Night at the Telegraph Club, yeah. young adult novel, good. solid. What was the one detective one? Uh, we didn't do Fortune Favors the Dead. Anything. I think, yeah, we yes. talked about oh, it. Oh, wait, we Fortune did. Favors yeah, 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 yeah. Fortune Favors the Dead. That was good. Dead. Yeah, that was fun. Seven Husbands. Classic. Yeah. A contemporary classic, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, in the pop culture realm, yeah. I fear. No, it so, is. That's the thing. It's like, it's a fun book, but the fact that people think that that's like the height of writing. Right. Is, like, Be serious. Except, I did just start, and by just start, I mean like, bare, like, first chapter that's it of malibu rising mm-hmm. and like taylor jenkins reed knows how to hook a story oh, like she can hook goddamn a bitch business. for real for like real. i'm barely on page 10 and i'm invested and i'm like i'm here mm-hmm. to the very end mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. i was page 10 and i'm like when are we done where's the nearest <laughs> i'm looking behind me i'm checking over my shoulder i'm looking under yeah. my seat yeah. i'm like where yeah. where does it malibu end? rising taylor was jenkins one of my favorite reads, reads of 2020 one it was one of my favorite books mm. from 21 because mm-hmm. it's a great story taylor jenkins reed can yeah. write a good story a good story with compelling characters and that's what you need mm-hmm. for a contemporary commercial novel let me tell you with a romance main yeah. plot line that's what you fucking need okay 
fuck it. Like, and a lot of these romance novel bitches are not really getting that. It's not, it's not tapping into that, I fear. It has to be that, the reason why Taylor Jenkins Reid is so successful as a writer, people love her books, is because even though, like, a lot of it has to do with romance, that's not the primary genre. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's not the first thing, it's, at the, at the top, it's like a historical fiction novel, you know, both yeah. Malibu Rising and... Seven Husbands are both that. And Seven Husbands and Malibu Rising are set in the same universe. So Mm -hmm. it's, like, she constructs these whole realities in a way that is, like, pretty compelling. Um, But the book I want to recommend, actually, let me go get it off my shelf. I actually don't have a physical copy of the book because I gave it, I let my friend borrow it. I gave Uh Enrique, like, a stack of my books and was like, here, read these. Because I was like, real now that, because he was complaining to me about a book that he really didn't like and that I had loved. And uh, Enrique doesn't engage with the internet like that. So he's not listening to this, but he's just a friend uh, <laughs> at whom I've known mm-hmm. since I was like a teenager, but like a young teen. Anyway, no, yeah. So I handed him a bunch of books, but one of them, the book that I want to recommend is Sedating Elaine mm. by Dawn Winter. I thought you recommended that already. You've definitely oh, yeah, yeah, told yeah. me about this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but oh, I don't but... know if you've just told me about it or if you've recommended it. But you, Let like, me search our thread. you told me the plot. I've definitely ta- talked to you about the book because I feel I definitely tell Renaissance the plots of books that I read when I fi- think that it's interesting. It's not on our recommendations thread on Twitter, so I haven't recommended okay. it on the pod. Yeah, I mean, I think you've just... Again, Sunny and I are friends in real life outside of the pod. <laughs> I think no, you recommended we're just, it to me. We're LLC but... besties. We're not we are. besties for real. Exactly. No. Yeah, I recommended it to you off off recording. Off, off air. Camera. Cut yeah. the cameras. Right, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sedating Elaine by Don Winters. It was one of my favorite reads of 2022. It's mm-hmm. a literary fiction novel, first and foremost. So it's not a romance novel. There's honestly not that much romance in this novel because it's all about this girl who hates yeah. her girlfriend. That's why it's called Sedating Elaine. Our main character, mm-hmm. her name is Frances, I believe, which is funny because that's the main character of Conversations with Friends. But Frances lives with Elaine. That's funny. That's the main name of the main character of the character of the piece that I'm going to recommend to you. So the theme is Frances character recommendations. Yes. But Frances is... This London millennial queer woman. I don't, n- n- no one's sexualities are ever labeled in this book, which is like, thank God, because we don't need that information. Um, <laughs> all that matters Please. is that they are women who date other women and they're dating each other and it's messy as fuck. So like mm-hmm. that is what's going on here. And the reason why I think you would like it is because it has that my year of rest and relaxation vibe to it, you know? Because, like, mm-hmm. there are scenes where she goes to a doctor and complains about her life to the doctor. <laughs> complains about her life and relationship, Please. which is, like, similar to, you know, our unnamed narrator going to her psychiatrist and, you know, the psychiatrist mm-hmm. is kind of crazy. But in Sedating Elaine, we're following this young woman who is unhappy with her life, very unsatisfied, because, mostly because she was obsessed with this woman named Adrienne, and Adrienne broke things off with her 
and he, and and Francis was like, oh, she's the love of my life. She was so beautiful. I love her so much. But now she's dating this girl named Elaine, whom she met at a bar. They move in after knowing each other for like a few weeks. Elaine is like rich, like comes from old money. And you know how the British are. Like that's, you know, that's different. And exactly. so it was kind of a financial decision because throughout the whole book, Frances is under a lot of pressure. She works at a restaurant, so she's a dishwasher, so back of house. And she, throughout the book, she's like, the the cooks at the restaurant or like the other people at the restaurant like uh, are always being like hey you should be a cook and she's like no I will never be a line cook uh, you cannot even <laughs> whisper mentioning that you cook at the restaurant because then they'll make you be a cook and I don't want to do that shit like I am not doing that <laughs> anyway so she ends up having Elaine move with her into her flat because Elaine is rich obviously and. Frances is under a lot of financial pressure. She needs to come up with a, like thousands of pounds to pay back her drug dealer whom she owes. And throughout the entire like book, that weighing pressure is on her. And we mm-hmm. as the reader really feel that. We're like, girl, you need to get your fucking money. Like you're, you're going to die. Like that drug dealer is going to beat your ass. Like you need to get that shit. But up until that point, she basically is so fed up with Elaine because Elaine is just, like, very annoying to Frances. Frances just really hates her. But they just keep having sex. And (laughs) they just keep fucking. And she's just like, I can't get rid of this woman. I can't (laughs) And so it's all about, like, not communicating, of course. We just follow all of this. But we get flashbacks to her life, like, growing up. Like, why she hates herself so much. Why she hates her life. What she has this uh, relationship with her family that's really weird and she you know it's all these weird things that all you know build and amalgamate it's this pressure of dread that we also experience in Moshfeg's writing right where it's like we know that this main character is fucked up and she knows that she's fucked up she's coping we're on the edge of our seats being like girl you need to get your shit together like this is not right like you're not this is not okay but we're also along for the ride the whole time and it's pretty funny, but it's also very sad. I think I wrote a very long Goodreads review of it, actually. What did I even say? Oh, I gave it five stars. I read it in September. I said, was this book perfect? No. Was it a perfect portrait of the loneliness and despair of a queer woman not over her breakup with a beautiful but ephemeral woman in a relationship with another woman she despised, but also couldn't stop committing to long-term plans slash having sex with the unresolved trauma, childhood trauma of an absent father and the abandonment of a mother and the banalities and stress of owing her drug dealer money she doesn't have while working as a dishwasher at an upscale London restaurant and bar with a boss who calls her puppy? Yes! (laughs) I adored how this novel following the blueprint of my year of Western relaxation sorry i know an overused comp title for sure like comparison book gives us a glimpse into the psyche of a highly disturbed deranged and unlikable main character a young woman on the run from her feelings constantly chasing what has already been lost while stewing in her unresolved past i found this novel deeply compelling and written with a level of complexity and attention to detail with enough absurdity the absurdity inherent to human relationships whether they be the romantic entanglements you find yourself or in between you and the tired ass doctor you only visit when you're at the height of your crazed eras and unrealistically neat ending that was still worth the whole ride all the way through i was honestly most disappointed in the fact that none of the gay female characters we see in this book are explicitly lesbians but no other labels for sexuality are really used for them so honestly whatever i'm not fully ascribed to 
this postmodern identity politics, etc. stuff. Anyways, this is the perfect mix of the crazy shit about crazy women I'm obsessed with reading about. Would recommend to the other literary fiction about insane gay women enjoyers out there. But I don't know how many people would enjoy this one the way I did, at the at least based on the less than spectacular average ratings and reviews. Because on Goodreads, it has, like, a really low average rating, so I don't know. And it's not that popular of a book, but I did enjoy it, and I feel like you would like it. Slay. I, like, I recognized it immediately when you said it, and I don't think it's on my Goodreads want to read list, so I'll have to remember to add it to there just because that's where I'm mostly just, like, collecting titles so I don't forget, so I don't have to try and remember all the books yeah. that I actually want The TBR want to function read. on that app is very essential. Exactly. But yes, I do want to read it. And then also when you're talking about it, I remember that My Year of Rest and Relaxation is another recent contemporary read of a book that I did like. And I think that that book will be read in the future, hopefully, as like uh-huh. what good yeah. uh, like 21st century writing looks like yeah. <laughs> in terms yeah. of like literature. Um, because slim pickings, slim, <laughs> slim pickings from, from what I see. It is like, it's not living it, but also the people who I, oh, I have to remember the people who wrote like capitalism kills artistry in so many ways, because yeah. yes, even though so many of the authors of the previous centuries were like aristocrats and that's why they also didn't, they didn't work and could just write all of the time. Mm-hmm. Additionally, there were a lot of very talented and prolific working class writers. It's just that living as a working class person also allowed you to be a writer at one point in time. Imagine Imagine. that. That's not really possible anymore. So, (laughs) unfortunately. My recommendation is the 2012 uh, movie, Francis Ha, directed by Noah Baumbach. Baumbach. I don't, I don't really pay attention to men that way because yeah, Greta Gerwig is in it, obviously, exactly. and Mickey Sumner, and they play these two best friends, but essentially it follows uh, Frances Holiday, who is the main character and obviously played by Greta Gerwig. Uh, she turns 27 and she's kind of like finishing school... Or, no, she's she's graduated, has graduated for a long time, and is kind of uh, working in this, like, dance troupe in New York. But mm-hmm. it's not really going anywhere. And essentially, her life is stagnant in a way that makes her feel very isolated because she feels like everyone else's life around her is moving forward and has prospects. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see how she just kind of, like, not wanders, but... The essentially the pressure of trying to get your shit together, mm-hmm. which listen, who can't relate to that? At least yeah. for me, there were some yeah. moments where I was like, hashtag real. Yeah. And when you are kind of in that liminal space, if right, we will, right, 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 <laughs> if we talk about the liminality, of it, <laughs> it can be like sensitive to watch, but it's not like a sensitive movie. Like I was really worried that it was going to be hashtag too real, and I was going to yeah. like break down after watching it. But it was actually very pl- uh, pleasurable viewing, even though it's like uh-huh. very realist. Like it, I, it doesn't like sugarcoat anything. And one thing that I really like about it is that it has like this humor that's obviously very. Greta Gerwig in nature, obviously. So it kind of has that awkward tongue-in-cheek 
humor to it that I really like. I think the cinematography and like the directing style of it is some a taste that I have like started to acquire, which is kind of annoying because it's very much that like indie pretentious I'm making a film kind of vibe, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. like it. One of the reasons why, of course, it is a fave, and I'm also recommending it, is because it is 86 minutes in Period. We love a short movie. Like, I love short films, the medium, and I love short films, as in mm-hmm, an 86, mm-hmm, 90, mm-hmm. 95-minute runtime. Give me yep. those. So, also, Francis Ha is Chris, at Chris Die on Instagram and Twitter. He put his Twitter back up. Mut- moot and oomph of the pod. Mm-hmm. You have met Chris IRL. Yes. Chris is my one of my IRLs. So, or was, because now he moved to New York. But Francis Ha. Yeah, exactly. Very that. So, it's his favorite movie, but he also loves a lesbian-ass movie. And, oh, one of the reasons why I wanted to recommend this as well, not only to you, Sunny, but also for, like, the pod is that it really explores intimate female friendship in this really interesting way, I think. Both of them, because it came out in 2012, kind of have that vague BuzzFeed-esque bisexuality air about them. So, of course, take it with a grain of salt. Um, But Mm -hmm. the portrayal of friendship in the movie, I really like and enjoy. And I think it's very real and it censors it in a way that is like accurate I think to what like growing up in a friendship looks like and I really like it and it's like obviously well paced it's 86 minutes but I think it really utilizes and is very economic with the way that it uses its time and the length of the different acts in the film so yeah yeah it's on my that's my recommendation list to watch on Netflix uh, I added it the other day because I know that you Real. had mentioned liking it. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is such a classic indie girl movie. Like, every bitch has seen it this. It is. So, it is. I really that, need- oh, that was the other thing. Is I was like, I like, like, Frances Hall is such, it's the, like, yeah. it's almost, like, it's indie with a cap, like, the indie movie, capital yeah. T-I-M. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Real. But... So when I was watching it, I was like, bro, this is going to be so, like, cheesy and cliche if I like this movie. But it's also one of those things where it's, like, when something has the hype and then it's actually, like, good. And you're like, oh, now I'm one of the bitches that is like, have you seen Frances Ha? Yeah. And I was like, bro. But also it's like, well, have you seen Frances Ha? Like, you Oh, for non-annoying yeah. reasons, you should watch for Francis For non-annoying... Me talking about Sally Rooney and a Tessa Mosh bag, for non-annoying <laughs> reasons. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Please, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so unfortunate how the reception of artists really taints and shapes the work and, like, the media that they make. Because well, and for hashtag women writer lovers, oh god, like us. it's so wor- much worse for us because like you're fighting for mm-hmm. your fucking life trying to defend why the specific way you like Taylor Swift is like unique and interesting and like <laughs> and like not stupid. Um, mm-hmm. because it's true that a lot of bitches are stupid about it, and it's true that a lot of bitches are stupid about liking indie films, and a lot of bitches are stupid about liking my year of, and a lot of bitches are stupid. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. a lot of people are dumb about Sally Rooney. It's like you can't. Ugh, 
Ugh, disclaimers are needed, you know, but regardless. <laughs> and that is the episode. Do you have any more thoughts or anything that you want to add before we sign off? No, I just want to say that we really kept this episode to like 90 minutes. This is us sticking to mm-hmm. our, we really break the rules that we like to enforce onto others. Cause we'll be like a movie better be fucking 85 minutes. Or I'm not watching it. <laughs> Meanwhile, our episodes two and a half hours long hours run episodes running nearly, nearly three and a half hours. Like, <laughs> and we are the Martin Scorsese of podcasts. Okay. We are allowed. We are allowed. Sorry. please but anyway thanks so much for listening and subscribe to our substack to read our essays and stuff i'm gonna have an essay out or it should be out already who knows i don't know the liminal space of time and reality (laughs) whatever um and read renaissance's essay uh go pre-order beloved and yeah you can find us on social media as well if you want to connect with us there and send us your hot take. Email us your hot takes if you have any hot, hot, hot off the press that we can address <laughs> in future episodes. But that's all we have for you today. And we'll see you in another episode. Bye. Bye.